to bring judgment on the world, we can say, it is well with my soul. And we can say that because our sin, not in part but the whole, has been nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. What a, what a wonderful truth. Well, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Matthew chapter 5, our scripture text this morning is chapter 5, verse 7. Our sermon text for this morning. If you have been a part of Vacation Bible School in the past, you know that I love what game? Big ball, that's right. I love big ball. And big ball, if you have never experienced big ball, you're missing out on something that is absolutely fun. And uh, I, I seem to find a way to play it every year with the kids. And um, on one particular year, a bunch of years ago, and if you don't know how to play big ball, this, you might miss the importance of this story. If you don't know how to play, ask Josiah afterwards and he'll explain it all to you, okay? But on one particular occasion, there was a young, young boy who um, was trying to escape from getting hit by the big ball. And he slipped and he fell right in front of me. And I happened to have the big exercise ball right above him. And I, I'm towering over him and I'm looking down at him. And he looks up at me and he just says, I beg for mercy. <laughs> there was nothing else he could do. Uh, I beg for mercy. And at that very moment, I chose to be kind and compassionate and not hit him with the big ball. Today, our sermon text in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So this verse says the merciful will receive mercy. Um, my question for you as we begin this morning, is Jesus saying that you must give mercy to others before you will receive mercy from him? Is that what this beatitude is saying? And if that is so, is Jesus teaching a works religion? And I want to be quick to answer that with emphatic no, that's not what this beatitude is teaching, but let me explain. A couple of things. First, don't, don't forget the definition of blessed. Too often we understand the idea of being blessed before. We misunderstand the idea of being blessed by God. Uh, too, too often we erroneously think that if we are blessed by God, it is a reward for our obedience. Uh, in truth, if you are blessed, you receive God's favor as an undeserved gift, making God then your source of joy and contentment in life. If you are blessed, you have received a really good gift from God that you don't deserve, and that makes you genuinely happy and joyful. The point of verse 7 is that if you have a merciful heart, it's a gift from God. It's grace. 
So I would argue, no, Jesus is not teaching us a works religion. Secondly, don't misunderstand the definition of mercy. Um, mercy is, isn't just withholding a deserved punishment. It includes that. Uh, this young boy that was about ready to get nailed by the big ball didn't necessarily deserve the big ball, but he was going to get hit by the big ball anyway. But in giving mercy, I showed kindness and compassion to him. It, it's not just not treating someone the way that they deserve. It, it really, mercy is more than that. Mercy is showing compassion for the lowly. It's a sense of pity with a desire to do something to relieve the misery. So mercy is a heart that feels pity for someone, someone that's in a weak and helpless state, but it's also an action, something that you do to help relieve that distress. So by definition, if we are people who will receive mercy from God, it is because we are helpless. And if we are helpless, how could we ever think that receiving mercy from the Lord is something that we have earned by our good and noble, strong work? So, no, Jesus is not teaching us a works religion in this beatitude. Um, third, don't miss God's mercy. If you are a Christian this morning, you are alive spiritually because of God's mercy. Uh, listen to Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, and I quote, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desire of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So all, all of us were at one time very willingly and eagerly following after our own sinful desires. And because of that, we were very much deserving of God's wrath. That's, that's where we once were. Spiritually, we were dead towards God. We had absolutely zero life with uh, no desire for God. But then verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. So God had great compassion and pity on us. And He did something to meet our greatest need. We were not deserving of it. And we did not even seek it. But God chose to lavish grace and mercy and love on us. And even, and even when we were dead spiritually, God chose to make us alive in Christ. Uh, we, we see this very same thing taught in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and I quote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again 
to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. It, it was according to God's great mercy that he caused us to be born again. That means it was according to his compassion that God was moved to meet our greatest need. We, we have been so richly blessed by God, uh, by God's great mercy. We, we have life, we have hope because of God's mercy, because of his kindness, because of his compassion, because he didn't give us what we really deserve. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 20, uh, 35, um, Jesus gives us here a very vivid teaching on how God's abundant mercy has changed us forever. So if you've, if you've experienced God's mercy, you, it changes you. Verse 21, then Peter came up to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven must be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, keep in mind that a talent was equivalent to about 20 years of wages for a laborer. Um, so here are 10,000 talents. That's a, that's a lot of money. That's equivalent to 200,000 years of wages. So basically, it's impossible to repay this debt. Verse 25, And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master, that servant, released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a denarii was a day's, one day's wages. And so here is a debt of 100 days wages. And compared to a debt of 200,000 years of wages to repay, uh, this is really a pittance compared to what he had already been forgiven. And the text says that seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. And he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. 
so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So when God forgives our enormous sin debt against him, it, it changes us. If we're not changed, something is terribly wrong. When, when we have tasted God's abundant mercy and kindness towards us, we, we won't be the same. Now, as we think of this, it, it helps us to ask the question, where, where does a merciful heart come from? And letter D in your notes, you will be merciful then only if you have received mercy from God. Mercy is a gift from God. Being merciful is a gift from God. In the kingdom, it's unthinkable to have receive mercy and not give mercy. So when you recognize your own spiritual bankruptcy and you are poor in spirit and you mourn over your own sin and you recognize the supreme worth of God and you begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness, a righteousness that's given to us in Christ by faith and what is actually produced in us by His Spirit. And when you realize that though your sin caused a debt you could not pay, God was merciful to you. When you realize all of that, it changes you and leads you and enables you to extend mercy to those in need. God's kindness and compassion on you in your sinful state stirs your heart to be a conduit of God's mercy to others in need. And so this morning, I want to ask you, are you merciful? (laughs) Ask another way, what is the evidence that you have received mercy from God? Well, to answer that question, let me ask you a number of other questions. And first of all, Letter A in your notes, do you give mercy with cheerfulness? Uh, Romans 12.8 says the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. It's kind of in the passage it lists a number of different spiritual gifts, grace gifts, and the one who is gifted with mercy is instructed to, to do that with cheerfulness. Uh, Cheerfulness, by definition, includes being gracious and wholehearted and without any reluctance or grumbling. Um, Your ministry of mercy isn't very effective if you grumble about it. Uh, the, The sacrifice made by Christ on the cross was indeed horrific, What he endured there on that cross is really beyond what we can fully comprehend. But can you imagine if Jesus hung there on the cross, pouring out his complaints to his Father? (laughs) It's unthinkable. Instead, Hebrews 12 tells us it was for the joy set before him that Christ endured the cross. Giving mercy is not just having pity and compassion on someone in need. It's it's meeting that need cheerfully. You you are genuinely happy 
to sacrificially give to meet someone's need. This is what the Spirit will produce in the one who has received God's mercy. Another question, do you make mercy uh, important? Uh, do, do you avoid making lesser things, in, um, lesser things more important than, than mercy? Uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23 and 24 says this, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of, of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guide, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. So justice, uh, mercy, and faithfulness cannot be lost um, for the sake of lesser things. The, the Pharisees were worried about what they were tithing. It's like people today who might argue whether we should tithe from the gross amount or from the net, net amount, and they neglect and they forget the most important matter as the New Testament teaches us to give sacrificially when we see a need. Or it's like the people who judge another person for the type of clothes that they wear and fail to respond with mercy to the more glaring needs in their life. Or it's like people who get impatient with the inconsistencies of young believers and fail to be a conduit of God's mercy to help them grow. And, and don't miss, Jesus gives us a fascinating way to see how ridiculous it is when we make lesser things more important than mercy. He, he says it's like straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. That's a graphic picture, isn't it? If you've received mercy from God, you should give mercy to others. Another question, do you care for other believers in need? Matthew 25, 31 through 46 says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all of the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all of the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left... Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, for... I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. 
naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me, then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister you? Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Jesus teaches us that when you see another believer hungry, thirsty, needing a place to belong, sick or in prison, and you are moved with compassion to do something to meet that need, you bear the fruit that demonstrates you are a sheep and not a goat. Um, and the, the needs aren't just physical, they are also spiritual. It's not just a meal, it's a compassionate ministry of the Word in their life. So let, let me ask you, are you merciful or condescending to those caught in a sin? How do you really respond in your heart of hearts when you see another believer caught in a sin? Are you merciful? Are you kind to them, compassionate to them? Or are you quick to judge? Are you condescending? Are you gentle or hard-nosed toward the downtrodden? If someone really is just in a bad way, are you gentle or kind of tough? Kind of hard-nosed. Do you have kindness or is there no compassion toward those who, who are downtrodden? Are, are you helpful or callous towards the one who is veering off the path? Are you compassionate or impatient with the fallen? The one that's blown it. How do you respond? What, what happens in your heart of hearts? in response to someone who has fallen, maybe yet again. Are, are you compassionate or are you impatient and judgmental? If we are merciful in those kinds of situations, does that mean that we will condone sin? Just kind of, well, it's no big deal. We, we, need to, we need to be merciful. No, it doesn't mean that you will condone sin. Uh, we, we must confront sin. Um, why? Why must we confront sin? It's because it's, the, it, it, it's not compassionate to let someone continue on in their sin. Sin offends God, and sin brings ruin to the lives of people. And so we can be kind and compassionate, and sometimes... The most kind thing to do and the most compassionate thing to do is actually to gently confront a believer caught in a sin. But again, we need to think about how we confront sin. It's in kindness and gentleness, compassion, with mercy. Think, think about how Jesus ministered to the adulterous woman. He confronted her sin. He didn't condone it. He ministered to her and then said, go and sin no more. Um, if you are a merciful parent, any kids out there that want a merciful parent? Um, if you are a merciful parent, will does that mean you will never discipline your child? Um, 
Or if the elders of the church are merciful, will they never discipline a member of the church? And I would say no, because at times the most compassionate thing to do for a child or for a church member is to lovingly discipline so that they will turn away from evil and learn to obey Jesus. Let me ask another question. Are you missional with sinners? Um, here in this text in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 through 13, Jesus was missional with his mercy. Verse 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him, and Jesus reclined at table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Do, do you help sinners find hope in Jesus? Do you help sinners, not condemn sinners? Jesus came for the sick and for the sinners. Jesus desires mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy, mercy was very, very important to Jesus. Um, let me ask you, do you see a need and meet a need? You see a need and meet a need. Uh, li listen to this very familiar but very convicting teaching of Jesus. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I quote, Behold, a lawyer came or stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love your God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down to, from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among the robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came down to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion, he had mercy. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, Go and do likewise. 
Um, this past Monday, Shelly and I were traveling home from the Twin Cities and we hit a deer with our car. Um, and we sat by the edge of the road for four hours waiting for a tow truck to come from 7 o'clock to 11 o'clock. We were waiting for this tow truck to come. That's another whole story in itself that I probably shouldn't tell you because I might be grumbling just a bit. But anyway, I, while we were sitting on the edge of the road, I didn't count, but my guess is that there were probably hundreds of cars and trucks, if not thousands, that zoomed by. And according to the law, they even moved over to the left lane um, when they passed. That's the safer thing to do, and it's the law to do. If you can, you move over so that it's a bit safer. Uh, in that four-hour period, there was one good Samaritan that stopped to see if we needed any help. Um, now, I, I know what you're probably thinking, that uh, it's, it's kind of dangerous to stop and help people along the road. Um, and it certainly can be. There, there is always, no matter what you're doing, there is always a risk when you get involved in helping other people. And certainly we have to be wise. But uh, we must remember that Jesus taught us to show mercy to those who are in need. Um, mercy is love for your neighbor in need. And um, I think it's a perfect example of someone that you bump into along the road and you see them stranded on the highway, that is your neighbor. How do we respond to our neighbors in need? Um, so in a four-hour period of time, we had one person that stopped by. Um, and um, our son did come. Our son actually made two trips to help us out. So we did have help. We, we weren't in a, bad, in a bad way. And uh, for full disclosure, there are many times... I drive down the road, and I see a car, and I keep on going. And in my mind, I think they have a cell phone. They can call for help. Um, and that's how I often respond. But it really struck me how kind it was for this man to stop just to make sure that we're okay and to see if there's anything that he could do that would be of help. And it challenged me in working through this text seeing the importance of us having kindness and compassion when we stumble across the person in need. How do we really respond? Um, Jesus wants us to be merciful um, to those neighbors, those people that we bump shoulders with, people who have need. But there's one final thing that is even a bit more difficult. The question is this, do you show mercy to your enemies. It's not just an unknown neighbor, it's an enemy. Verse 27 of Luke 6 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. 
If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for He is kind, compassionate, merciful. He is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So, For the Christians here this morning, it's important to remember that you were an enemy of God when He chose to extend mercy to you. And and here Jesus makes it crystal clear that we are to be merciful even to our enemies as our Father was merciful to us. Um, So please know that the Spirit who is at work to produce in you this this mercy, this showing kindness, this showing compassion, the Spirit's desire is to produce that in us even towards those that we count as enemies. That's, That's mercy. Our sermon text today says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. One final thought I want us to think about, in what ways will the merciful receive mercy. Certainly for the Christian, it's important to remember that you've already received God's mercy. Um, That's why you are a Christian. You now have the promise of eternal life. But there is a day coming when Jesus comes again that those who have been promised the gift of eternal life will actually receive the gift of eternal life. And on that day, those who live by faith in Jesus Christ will be ushered into His presence on the new heavens and the new earth to live forever. And that will be the greatest expression of compassion and kindness that a holy God could possibly give to those who were once His enemies. So, though believers have already received mercy, Jude 20-23 through points to a time when believers will yet receive abundant mercy again, and I quote, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them from out of the fire, To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Um, Let me urge you to do two things as we close this morning. One, for the believer here this morning, don't, don't lose sight of the mercy God has given to you in Christ. You're... Your salvation is a beautiful expression of God's compassion and kindness to you in your helpless and sinful state. Don't don't lose sight of God's mercy already given to you. Um, 
If you're here this morning and you've heard the claims of Christ, you've heard the good news of Jesus, but you know in your heart of hearts you've not yet come to the place where you've put your faith in Jesus. You've not repented of your sins and turned to Jesus in faith for your salvation. I I urge you today, cry, cry out to God for mercy, for his kindness, for his compassion. So, for the believer, don't lose sight of the mercy already given. And two, for the believer here this morning, keep your eyes and your heart open to see and respond to people in need. Because you have received mercy from God, you are now able and in fact commanded to give mercy to those in need. Look look for ways that God... Give me eyes to see. Give me eyes to see people who have needs so that I can bless them with the compassion and the kindness of God. If if both of those things are a reality for you this morning, you can eagerly anticipate the most lavish expression of God's kindness to you when Jesus comes again and ushers you into glory to be with him. Forever. Let's pray together. Father, it is good for us to remember in fresh ways how you have treated us in our sinful state when we were shaking our fist at you, when we wanted nothing to do with you. You extended mercy to us. You you demonstrated kindness and compassion and you did something to meet our greatest need and that is giving your son Jesus uh, on the cross to atone for our sin. Um, This morning we want to remember that, that great mercy that you poured out for those of us who believe and we want to thank you and we want to praise you. Father, we also know that when we've experienced your mercy, it changes us. And so I pray for each one of us here this morning that you would give us eyes to see, give us hearts to, to be willing to respond to needs that you bring before us. And Lord, I, I pray that we would be ready to respond with mercy, with kindness, with compassion. May we treat others as you have treated us in, in Christ. And Father, may we do this in ways that would be for their good and for your glory. Um, so Father, thank you for your work in our life. Thank you for your work that is changing us. And I pray that you would make us willing more and more Uh, to be that one who responds with kindness to those who are in need. Help us to do something to meet their need for their good and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing one final song together as we close.